Uh, I'm honored that Brother Travis would uh, allow me to uh, fill in, share from the pulpit in his absence. He was my pastor for about seven years, or well, he's been gone two years, so five years, and has, begin, has become a great friend. And uh, I just tell you the, the philosophy, if you were the pastor, or in his case, the interim, of getting somebody to fill in for you, there are two, two trains of thought here. One of them is you get somebody that's really bad, and they're glad when you get back. <laughs> or you, the other is you get somebody that's really good, and the, and the church appreciates you're taking care of them and not, uh, not killing them while you're out. There is a third philosophy, and I may have fallen into this one, and that is there are certain times of the year when it's extremely difficult to find anybody really good to preach for you, and so you get who you can. But uh, thank you, Brother Travis, so much. Um, I do appreciate the opportunity to serve as one of your state missionaries. My primary responsibility is disaster relief. Appreciate the Andersons and others in Selma area, the, now the West Central Baptist Association who are key parts of our disaster relief ministry. It's all volunteers, and so to say that I lead that ministry is a, is a little bit of a, a misnomer. It's, it is, I, I would be the uh, only paid person. It's those volunteers who get it done. And boy, does the Lord use them to make a difference in people's lives. So coming up in September is the state uh, missions offering and the week of prayer for state missions. And disaster relief is... Um, Spot is sponsored, it's funded by Alabama Baptist Giving in, a, in different ways, but one of those is that Myers-Mallory State Missions offering. So thank you for allowing me to be here. I do want you to know that even though I may look like it, I am really not angry, nor am I sick. This is my happy face. <laughs> one of the youth at the last church I served um, told me that I probably, and I, I didn't have to go get diagnosed, but I have HRF. And you've probably heard that another way. Don't go look it up. But um, she, I said, what is that? She said, hostile resting face. <laughs> so that is it. So I am, I am not angry. I am thrilled to be here. I appreciate it so much. We're going to be uh, taking a look at two verses in Romans chapter 12. Two, uh, it's, it's crazy to say this about like to single out any specific passage of Scripture because it's all God's word. It's all powerful. Uh, as the Holy Spirit breathes it into our lives. But here are two verses that uh, so much truth, so much of a challenge that are some of the most significant in the Scripture. And I um, uh, could spend hours on that. That wouldn't be fair to you or anybody else, at least to try to do that on one Sunday morning. But I want to take a, a look at that and then zero in on one phrase there. And obviously it's going to have to do with the word transformation. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Here's what the scripture says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Will you pray with me? Father, we've already asked and we want to affirm that we need you to teach us from your word. By the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would make this word come alive, that you would captivate our hearts and minds with yourself 
and the things that you long to teach us. And we pray that as a result of looking into your word, that there would be um, transformation take place, that there would be encouragement, ministry, whatever you might choose to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, there are a lot of things about my past that I could tell you that would, uh, you might laugh about or you might roll your eyes, actually, if you knew that um, I am, in fact, a Yankee. That would explain a lot of things if you hung around me very long. But um, I also, after we moved back to Alabama, my dad's from northwest Alabama, um, we, uh, we lived in the country. We lived in Decatur a little bit, but we lived out in the country a lot. So if I, I, what I'm about to tell you may sound like I'm making fun of country folk. I love country folk. This could be true of Winston County where my, my dad's family is from. Um, because back in the 60s, it was not uncommon for people to grow up there and never, ever leave that county. Okay? But if you had to have some serious medical stuff, you might go to Jasper, but if it's bad, you'd go to Birmingham. So you imagine this family, a mother, a father, and their almost grown son, they're going to Birmingham for the first time ever in their lives. They walk into the lobby of this huge building. Could be UAB Hospital, it could be you pick, but anyway, they're just looking around in amazement. And the mom says that she needs to go to the ladies' room. Well, okay. So dad and their son are just standing there watching at all the stuff, all the things of the big city. And in a minute, they see this little thing where the door opens, and a little old lady crawls on or steps onto that elevator. The door shuts. And in a minute, the door opens again. And out steps this very attractive young woman. <laughs> they look at each other. And he said, boy, go find your mom. <laughs> transformation. Well, the transformation the Lord does is not an external makeover, although it may show up there. It's an internal makeover. And this verse, these two verses talk uh, about the transformation that the Lord makes. But that word, that concept is not there in isolation. It is actually the beginning of, in the book of Romans, the practical application section. Because the passage begins with the word therefore. And many have suggested that anytime you see a sentence begin with therefore, you need to, you need to find out what it's there for. So what does therefore refer? To what is therefore refer? It's looking back at those first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, which is like the crown jewel of the letters of the New Testament. We know that in the book of Romans, um, Paul teaches about God's amazing grace and salvation by faith. He teaches about how Abraham was made right with God through faith. He teaches that great truth um, that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. He teaches so many things. So when he says, therefore, hey, church at Rome, hey, Christian in Selma, take a look back. And all that God has done, because what I'm about to say to you has to be a response to simply beholding all that God has done. So in view of God's work, therefore, some things I want you to do. Offer. One of them is that you offer to God yourself. A living sacrifice, this says. But it encourages us basically to offer to God all that we are and hold nothing back. 
Sometimes we want to make deals with God. We want to bargain. It's, we want to do like we might do at the car dealership or like um, we might do uh, like an attorney might do in a courtroom and try to make deals. But this is not about making deals. It's about saying, Lord, not just part of me, all of me, not just all of me that you can see, all of me. Offer ourselves to God, nothing held back. And then he says, stop. And some translations didn't come out that way, but I like the way um, that we're told in, um, and I'm looking at the NIV, let me get back to my spot here. Um, the NIV says, do not conform. But some of, the, um, some of the other modern translations say, stop, which would be little stop being conformed. Because it's the easy thing to let the world shape us. We are, we are bombarded by uh, media, whether it's social media, broadcast media, print media. We are bombarded by a lot of things challenging the uh, Word of God's authority in our lives. The Word of God's authority is real. So he says, he says to us, stop being conformed. And conformed is an outward molding of, uh, of who we are. It would be, my dad used to work for General Motors up in North Alabama. And they would take a small piece of steel and they would put in a press with many tons of pressure. And that press would press out um, a part that would make, that made front wheel drive cars actually work, that front wheel drive possibly. And I'm thinking, wow, I said, no heat, they're not melting. It's all the pressure. And Paul's reminding us that all the pressure in the world should not be the driving force. Stop being conformed to this world's mold. And then to demonstrate what God's will is. Demonstrate that God's will is good by surrendering our lives to the Lord and saying to him, hey, Father, whatever you want for me, I, I want to yield myself to that. Now, some people are scared to do that. God's going to call me to Africa. Well, he might, but he might call you to Selma. Or he might call you to Dallas County, or he might call you to Central Alabama. Who knows? But God, I'm yielding to you, and it's because I trust you, because I've learned all of these things about you and your incredible grace and love for me. And I want to demonstrate to everybody watching that your will is good. We sometimes get this idea. I've seen it, and you might make this assessment of me, but if you didn't know me otherwise, is that by looking at the face of the average believer that surrendering to God's will is kind of like having a root canal. Nobody wants to do that. But what Paul is saying is that when we are surrendered to God, when we offer ourselves to God, that we demonstrate that God's will is good and it's perfect and it's acceptable. Yeah, people ought to be drawn to the Father by watching us as we surrender our lives to the Father. But I want to zero in on that last word, transform. But can I, before I do, just reread this passage from the message paraphrase? Are you familiar with the message paraphrase? It is, oh, wow. Paraphrases are done, and, and, and often with the intent, being true to the Scripture, but, but highlighting significant truths in the Scripture that we might not get otherwise. Here's how the message translates those verses. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't, be co don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. 
Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. Ah! Or as I might have said when I was a younger person, dude, that's, that's good stuff. And there is so much there, but I want to talk about the word transform. Now, again, the difference between the word conformed is outward pressure. Transformed is an inner uh, work that is done, in this case, by the Lord himself. And it happens at the new birth. It happens when a person, we may describe it in a lot of different ways, when a person becomes a follower of Jesus, when a person becomes a Christian, transformation begins to take place. In fact, the biblical model is that you cannot come to Jesus and stay the same. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Transformation. And that word is here. Stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. So let me tell you about this word transformation. It comes from a word in the original language that a lot of us learned about in high school or elementary science. There's a lady in Prattville that I know from um, having been in her, their church. Uh, she raises butterflies. And so we have talked a little bit about this passage and about how that uh, for simplicity's sake, the caterpillar crawls up to a place and begins to build its cocoon. And from that emerges a butterfly. And she, she has a, a variety of butterflies who are amazing and to me much more attractive than those old fuzzy crawling caterpillar things, right? Metamorphosis is what it's called in our, what we learned in science, but it is the, the process by which the, the caterpillar changes into something else. It's called holometabolism. In holometabolism, the larvae differ, differ markedly from the adults. Insects which undergo holometabolism pass through a larval stage, enter into an inactive stage called the pupa or chrysalis, and finally emerge as adults. Holometabolism is also known as complete and com complex metamorphosis. While inside the pupa, the insect will, will excrete digestive juices to destroy much of its own body, leaving only a very few cells intact. The remaining cells will begin the growth of the adult using nutrients from the broken down larva. The process of the cell death is called histolysis and the cell growth is called histogenesis. It's just easier to say that caterpillar spins a cocoon and from inside of that cocoon emerges a butterfly. And that is metamorphosis. That is the word that Paul uses here, transformation. So I want to give you three things that God uses to transform us. Okay? Three tools that God uses to transform us. One of them is His Word. We are transformed by the Word of God. Now, is there a Bible for that? 
Absolutely there is. I'm glad you asked. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Well, how about Ephesians 5.26? that says, talking about Christ and the church, that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of the water of the word. How about Psalm 1, who says, Blessed is the man who does not stand in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, nor walk in the way of the, of the wicked. His delight is in the law of the Lord. I messed that up, didn't I? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. There are so many passages, like Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, able to discern the thoughts and the intents, to cut even the bone from the marrow. God uses his word to transform us. Now I want you to think about how he does that. There are a lot of ways that you get exposed to the word of God. Preaching on Sunday morning, being in the Lord's house when the Bible is taught is one of the ways. We can read the Bible and God through his Holy Spirit will make it come alive. That is one of the ways. But often he uses the teachings of others to help us to have a deeper understanding of what he wants to say to us, what he wants to be to us. Reading his word, reading through the Bible in a year, having a regular reading plan. By the way, I would recommend to you if you have an interest or if, if you want to try and step it up a notch, to get the one-year Bible. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it at a bookstore. You can order it from Amazon or somewhere where every day you read a passage from the Old Testament, a passage from the New Testament, a passage from Psalms. You actually read through the Psalms twice in a year, and you read a passage from Proverbs. And in a year's time, you get through the entire Scripture. And you can get that one-year Bible in a number of different translations. Now, if you're reading devotionally, think about that and get a translation which is a good devotional translation new living translation or otherwise how about memorizing scripture i've heard some folks say to me i can't memorize anything oh yes you can you do it often enough it becomes second nature to you sometimes people memorize things through music well sing the word of god there are a lot of ways Listening to good Bible teaching. With apps on your phone, you can listen to some of the best Bible teachers in the world. It costs you absolutely zero. And all you have to do is, is hook up to a Wi-Fi somewhere to listen to the Chuck Swindolls, the Charles Stanleys, or if you prefer um, John MacArthur or some. You can listen to the Word taught. But a daily diet of God's Word is a transforming thing for us. And can I say this? If you only get fed on Sunday, or if you only get fed on Sunday and Wednesday, you're going to be spiritually anemic and ineffective. You must let the Word of God dwell richly in you and be transformed. So sometimes people go through difficult times. That may be some of you, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But my prescription is spend some time in the Word of God, and they'll say to me, Oh, brother... I mean, I read that, and it's like the words, they're, not, they're, they're just bouncing off my eyeballs. They're not getting in here. So I have a suggestion for you. Listen to the Bible. You can buy Bible audio apps. It uses a different place in your brain, and it is somewhat easier for many people 
to hear it read to them than to read it themselves. But when you're going through tough times, the Word of God is food and life for your soul. It is transformational. But the second thing God uses, He uses His Word, but He uses struggles. Now this is where that picture really comes alive. The meaning of metamorphosis means, yes, that that, that, that butterfly has cocooned herself into uh, a place of insulation from the rest of the world and is now on purpose digesting herself into something else. But out of that new birth begins to form that flying critter, creature, creation. Maybe it's the monarch butterfly. But in emerging from that cocoon, that crystal, that crystal stage, the butterfly must experience struggle in order to survive. I had a poem someone gave me that I was going to share with you, but I actually didn't bring it up here with me. But it tells the story of this. It's how that people have sometimes seen that, uh, that um, emerging butterfly trying to get out of that cocoon and have broken it open for them. I want to be helpful, right? And you have killed the butterfly. Because the only way the butterfly can live is through the struggle of coming out. At least one writer that I read said it is in, in, in the emergence where um, the fluid that makes up the body of that uh, emerging butterfly is forced out and into what will become the wings. And if that process is interrupted by someone helping the insect to escape, then the fluid will stay in the body, the wings will be dwarfed, and death is imminent. Metamorphosis means a transformation born of struggle, and without the struggle, there will be no life. Ooh, can you chew on that for a second? I don't mean the, the word picture. I mean the idea that through transfer, God transforms us through emerging from struggles in order that life is developed in us. Well, is there a Bible for that? I mean, it's a great story, but is there a Bible for that? Yeah, uh, there, there might be here. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. And you jot these down because I've got them printed up here. But not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. How about Philippians 3.10? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and... The fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in death. James reminds us to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. First Peter addresses it as well. So there are scriptures which actually say to us that God transforms us through struggles. But let's just kind of get down here where the rubber meets the road for a moment. And I don't know you, so please understand that anything that I might use as an illustration was born of looking into this passage many, many months ago. Issues that may cause struggle. How about choosing between good and best? 
I mean, it ought to be a no-brainer for the follower of Jesus. If you have to choose between good and bad, what do we choose? We choose the good. But if we have to choose between good and the best, that's not always so obvious. But which are we to choose? The best. And sometimes that is a real struggle. Because what is good can appear very good. And we have to think beyond the surface. And pray for wisdom beyond the obvious. Issues that cause struggles. Good versus the best. How about changes in your circumstances that are beyond your control? So driving over here, um, drove past the road that cuts off to Riverdale. And I smelled that familiar smell of the white paper mill. Now to some people, and to me many, many years ago, because I pastored in Lawrence County where the international paper mill that shut down, that was the largest employer. And, and so I growl and grumble about the smell of that paper mill, and a lot of my church members said, smells like money. Well, the last place my wife worked before she moved to Prattville with me was International Paper. And she was there after the shutdown. Smelled like money. But I can't help but think of some of my friends who had never in their lives lived anywhere other than Lawrence County. And now suddenly that paper mill is closing. And if they're going to stay with international paper, they've got about four choices. One of them being Riverdale. And some of the ones who came, many of the ones who came, did so reluctantly. They would rather have stayed right where they were. In fact, they so would rather have stayed where they were that they moved back pretty quickly afterwards. It was a painful time in our area when IP announced the closing of that mill. And it caused a lot of change and upheaval. And nobody had any control over that up there. You ever been in a spot like that? COVID has forced many changes in our lives that are way beyond our control. And it can be a time of transformation. And if we're seeking the Father, but change in circumstances that's beyond our control, he can use that to transform us into his likeness. And after all, when Paul says, therefore, in view of all that God's done, we could go back to Romans 8, 29, where he tells us that his goal, he has determined ahead of time to transform us into the image of his son, Jesus. How about disease? Mentioned COVID, but that's not the only one. Two of the things that come to mind are dementia and cancer and how those things have such a devastating effect on individuals and families. But can that be a time of transformation into the very essence of what it means to be at rest in the Father? Loneliness, yes. Having been misunderstood, yes. Having been betrayed, yes. Just being stuck with things that you don't understand and asking why. Those are the kinds of things that God can use in our lives to transform us into the likeness of a son. Um, I used to love to watch the A-Team, the original A-Team. Mr. T, B.A. Baracus, and his favorite saying was, pity the fool. So can I adapt this? And it's not original me. I do not remember where I read it, but pity the fool who wants life without struggle 
and struggle without surrender. I was a big fan of Rich Mullins back in the day. And you're saying, who? I know. Um, Rich Mullins wrote songs that we sing like um, the chorus, Step by Step. Step by Step, He Leads Me, and I Will Follow Him All of My Days. Wrote a song that was rec more recently done by Big Daddy Weave called Hold Me Jesus. Anybody heard that one? There's a line in that song that says, Surrender don't come natural to me. I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want than to take what you give that I need. Boy, that's so us. But God has something far better. I'm going to hurry because I really want to give you the appropriate time you need at the end. Jenny Owens was born with her vision, but in a very early age, like a, a toddler, lost her sight. She's uh, recorded a number of Christian songs that have done well. My favorite is called If You Want Me To. Keep in mind, the writer and the singer is blind. The pathway is broken. The signs are unclear. And I don't know the reason why you brought me here. But just because you love me the way that you do, I'm going to walk through the valley if you want me to. Because I'm not who I was when I took my first step. And I'm clinging to the promise that you're not through with me yet. So if all these trials bring me closer to you, then I'll walk through the fire if you want me to. It may not be the way I would have chosen when you lead me through a world that's not my home. But you never said it would be easy. You only said I'd never go alone. So when the whole world turns against me and I'm all by myself and I can't hear you, or your answer to my cries for help. I'll remember the suffering your love put you through, and I will walk through the darkness if you want me to. Because when I cross over Jordan, I'm going to sing, and I'm going to shout, and I'm going to look into the eyes and see, into your eyes and say, you never let me down. So take me on the pathway that leads me home to you, and I will walk through the valley if you want me to transformed by suffering into the very image of Christ. We demonstrate that the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. Wow, that's some heavy stuff. Transformed by the word, transformed by struggles. But how about this final one, transformed by service? As pastor, associate pastor, interim pastor, I've noticed something about Christians. When they're not doing something, they kind of sour, like, like milk that doesn't get consumed in time, begins to sour. And if you leave it soured long enough, it develops enough pressure to actually explode and make a mess. People in churches can be like that sometimes. Probably not any of you, right? Are there scriptures that talk about, yeah, yes, there are, how God's going to transform us. Through service, I like the one in Ephesians chapter 4 that says to us, it was Jesus who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, I'm sorry, evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ by serving 
Him. He transforms us. There are hundreds of people who have been trained in disaster relief. They go typically at their own expense. They work long, hard hours. They sleep on the floor. They eat somebody else's cooking. And they do it because they get to serve the Lord with the gift and skill set He's given them. And man, it makes a difference. Transformed by service. Because those who don't serve become lethargic and grumpy and restless and troubled. Somebody asked me about disaster relief. What's your favorite thing about that? And you know, the, the preacher thing would be to say that last year 800 people came to know Christ as a result at least 800 across this country through the ministry of disaster relief at least 800 people that's pretty good mission organization don't you think but even more than that families were touched and um, and encouraged and found hope when there was none otherwise I can tell you about that but what I love to tell about is to see Somebody who may have been putting along, just kind of nominally given to the Lord. Or maybe they're serving the Lord faithfully, but they recognize that this is not all that God has for me. Or whatever the reason. But they get, they go and they serve. And, it's, and, you, can, and you can just watch like somebody's flipped a switch. Or like a cocoon has burst. And out of it has come a butterfly. Transformation. And they are so excited that they get to serve the Lord, that they get to be a part of making a difference in someone's life. There are not many things that will crank your tractor quite like finding how God has gifted you and serving Him that way and knowing that you make a difference. Everybody doesn't get to serve in such dramatic fashion. But there is a world of difference in having a servant's heart and having a soaker heart. A soaker is not a soaker hose. It's a soak it up and sit there. Transformed by service. Change is scary. Change is not a word that you're supposed to use in Baptist churches. But since I'm kind of here today and gone tomorrow, uh, I'm going to throw it out there. And in Baptist churches, there aren't many folk who like change except for the bed babies, right? But living things that grow change. Whether it's an individual follower of Jesus, a small group, or an entire church. But for many people, change is just scary. And because it's scary, I'd rather just stay in my own little comfort zone. Doesn't honor the Lord. Paul says, therefore, in view of all that God's done, all that God's done, offer yourselves a living sacrifice to the Lord. That's a reasonable service of worship. Stop being conformed to the image, to the attitude, to the pattern of behavior, to the morals of this world, but be transformed. What's the beginning of transformation? The new birth. 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may demonstrate and prove what, it God, what God's will is, his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Curious today, as you've been exposed to at least this passage of God's word, what's he said to you about transformation? I would suggest that there may even be some here who have never really been changed by God's new birth where you recognize you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you surrender to Him. Ask Him by faith to forgive your sin, come into your life and take charge and change you. This would be a great time to do that and we're going to have a response to Him in a moment and by coming down and, and saying, hey, I want to know that new birth. You can hear the gospel presented clearly someone to pray with you and be changed, a new creation. But the greater likelihood is that sitting here in this congregation are those who have sort of like grandma's gravy uh, kind of begun to skin over. Well, there's a great picture, isn't it? We don't like the skin part on grandma's gravy, do we? But think of how our lives look to the Father or to our brothers and sisters in Christ or to this world. And think about what transformation would look like if you yielded yourself to the Lord as a sacrifice and let Him transform you. One of these ways or other ways, He transforms sometimes by incredible pouring out of blessing. Of course, there's a whole other word we could talk about. Will you let God begin that work of transformation in you today so that you don't go home the same way you came? We're going to pray together and we prepare for our response time. Brother um, JV is going to be standing here at the front to receive you if you need to make a public commitment. But let's pray first. Father, this time of response, it's your time as much as giving and singing and hearing your word preached. May you be glorified in our response. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.